Hello and welcome to the Global Reinsurance and Insurance Download, or GRID for short. I'm Charlie Thomas. The GRID is a podcast powered by Eames Partnership, in which some of the world's top insurance and reinsurance executives discuss the secrets of their success. In this episode, our focus is technology. We have software engineers, so we are building our own software, we're building our own platforms, we have our own internal database. Um, The connectivity, it's just so efficient that you would be able to pull in different resources from different parts of the world together. I I like to see technology and um, future-proofing our business. It's not just a tech thing, it's a business thing. As an industry, we're often lampooned for our lack of adoption of tech. Characterised as an industry where brokers carry leather-bound binders, holden to physical inky stamps and fax machines, it's fair to say we're still seen as behind the times. But those in the industry will know that we're slightly more sophisticated these days. Multiple efforts to move to electronic placing are finally gaining traction, enhanced by the enforced remote working nature of the past 18 months. But is it more accurate to say we've undergone a technical evolution rather than a revolution? That's the opening question I put to our panel. Here's Arch Ree, Chairman and CEO, Mamoon Raja, with his take. At the end of the day, we are in the business of making decisions, and we make risk-based decisions every single day. And technology is there to enable that, not, not necessarily to displace it. It's enable it, make it better, allow us the opportunity to be more productive, uh, make better decisions, um, uh, but, but at the same time, it isn't revolutionizing per se how we execute in our institutional view of risk. It enhances, it, 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 it lends um, um, you know, um, perspective. Uh, we can do a lot more with what we have today using technology. But the baseline product that we transact in, uh, we can do better through technology, just not necessarily hugely differently if I can say it that way. It becomes more revolutionary in my mind in distribution of the product and how, um, how the product is being put out and, and how uh, the public gets to access our product. That has shown more revolution to it, I would say, than in my world where I'm taking, risk, taking on risk uh, on the balance sheet. Uh, you know, the biggest, the biggest hurdle this industry has had is the, the, the public understanding of it. And, and and technology facilitates that. It makes it a lot more, it simplifies the product. It makes the user interface a lot more actually pleasant and interesting. And that closes the gap and allows, you know, more of our products to be bought and, and more people to be insured and expands the business. And in that sense, I think it is revolutionary. Um, and, and, and I think we're scratching the surface. I think there's a lot more to come in how the product is distributed how quickly and easily people can access and purchase insurance. The changing nature of distribution was also front of mind for Alliance Re's head of Asia Pacific, Kenrick Law. So there are two aspects, right? So number one is how we as an insurance company interact with the public. Um, So um, to me, it's basically just an evolution. So uh, from having a a face-to-face discussion with your customer to, um, uh, you know, direct line of, you know, you you sell your insurance product through telephone, 
and then to digital. So I would say it's more evolving over time how you interact with your customers. So that's one aspect. The other aspect is on insurance coverage. Um, basically, we are the industry to provide protection, right? So, um, so if if you look at the insurance coverage over time, it didn't change. Um, that much it, it does evolve in terms of what's covered, what can be covered, what can, what needs to be excluded, and so so on over time. But if you look at the the, the, the nature of the coverage, um, the intention of the coverage, um, they didn't change that much. So it just basically evolved or, or, or adopted to the environment over time, basically. Rachel Conran, CEO of RSA Luxembourg, told me the industry's tech journey was less of a big bang and more of a combination of incremental changes. But the joining up of those small changes, that can lead to revolutionary developments. I've spent a lot of my career doing little bits of, of things and then joining them up. And if you look at, you know, people often talk about blockchain, but don't use it very much. Um, you know, having a, a fragmented ledger that can be useful when you're doing other things and then joining those on to different parts of supply chain, um, digitalization. Um, you know, I, I think it's the joining of ideas that is more important and that is more an evolutionary process. And it can lead actually to quite large springs forward. Um, we're doing a piece of work at the moment where we try to look at what the occupancies are within our portfolio. And yet we know underwriters don't always name the occupancy correctly. And we found a linkage into how to do that. And so for me, it's a lot more small uh, you know, moments than these big bang sort of aha moments. Um, so, so I'm definitely on the side of evolution. I think if you join enough of those dots up, it actually can, can mount into something that becomes really very game changing. Um, but, but those don't happen frequently. Vantage's CEO, Greg Hendrick, also opted for evolution over revolution. I don't think the industry is a good candidate for what I would call the Amazon um, a uh, moment where just the whole industry is turned upside down and a single player or two come in to dominate. I, don't, I think the nature of insurance, uh, it's downside risk that's being protected. It's, it's always, you're always trying to talk to your customer about bad news, whether it's your flat being broken into, your home burning down, you're dying. I mean, all these things come into the insurance conversations. That, that's not something people seek out. So it isn't like waking up in the morning and saying, I want to buy a new pair of shoes. You don't do that and say, I want to buy my insurance. So I think the Big Bang revolution, I don't think is going to happen. Will players come in and be successful in a revolutionary way? I, I think so, but not in a huge disruptive, you know, disrupt the whole industry way. I think it is evolution. And I think we feel that we can take advantage of a lot of a lot of the insure tech work that's gone on. Not that anybody has solved the problem end to end, but some of them have solved uh, telematics and some of them have solved uh, visual imagery and some of them have solved a submission in tank and some, you know, AI and so forth and so on. And you partner up with those pieces of the, of the, of the, of the equation to make a better one. So I, I have felt all along. And again, particularly for the space that we're in advantage, which is reinsurance and large corporate commercial insurance, it's more evolution than revolution. Axis Re CEO, Steve Aurora spoke about the accelerating pace of change within our industry and how it was crucial to stay strategic when working out which developments to adopt. I think um, what differentiates people's points of view in this space is how do you view what adds value to your business? So there are many um, cool concepts out there and it's um, tempting to say, 
how do I find how that can apply to my business? Um, the other way to look at it, which is the way that I prefer, is to say, what is my business strategy and how can technology enable that? And so if we just walk across the value chain as an underwriter, the first thing is the underlying risk that we insure and reinsure. Those are changing as a result of technological developments. And then you say, okay, well, that's the underlying risk. How do you access that risk in terms of distribution? And distribution can be impacted in terms of how you, you know, approach different markets and how do you do that in a more sophisticated or more efficient way. Then you get to the underwriting side of the equation to say, how can I have sharper insights that help me get to a, a, a more precise view of the expected loss? How do you use technology in that basis? Optimal portfolio management, how do you use tools and new methods to construct and monitor and manage an optimal portfolio, maybe in a more real-time basis? And then flowing through to your operations, which is around, okay, how do I reduce costs? How do I raise my game on, you know, kind of traditional systems, et cetera. So the transformation's ongoing. I think we have more tools at our disposal. For me, it's just really important that we walk through the value chain or top to bottom on your PL to say, how does technology make you deliver on your objectives more effectively? Um, rather than the other way around, which is, you know, there's a lot of cool things and shiny objects out there. How do I go and acquire those skills in order to try and make my business better? I think you'll have more success if you adapt it as a, an enabler to what you're trying to accomplish. And how exactly should leaders in our industry be doing that? Well, I think one of the first things is to create an environment that allows for um, experimentation, for innovation, for entrepreneurial thinking. Um, that sounds pretty basic, but I'm not sure every company out there uh, especially in a traditional industry like ours, where you do not know your cost of goods sold, um, has that sort of climate. And I think that is one thing that makes a big difference. Um, there's also a lot of short-termism um, in our industry, um, understandably so, with some of the tough things that we've uh, faced in terms of events and profitability and all the rest over the last five years. But how do you balance that short-term need to deliver results with long-term investment? That's another differentiator, in my opinion. And um, there's a lot of things that are changing in the world, which then changes our underlying risk landscape. And I think just providing that platform or education where colleagues are aware of what's happening and what is reshaping our profession um, is also um, an advantage as well. So I think there's a lot to be done. Um, and, you know, it is the burden or the objective or the obligation or duty of management and leadership to kind of create that environment and really leverage a lot of creativity and energy that we have in our teams to, okay, deliver the performance culture in the short term, you know, do it in a fun and engaging way with this you know, human culture that I mentioned, but also build your business for the future and make sure you're set up for success over the long term. 
The CEO of Amri Syndicate, Siobhan Bader, data became such a priority for her firm that despite their relatively small size, she opted to build her own software using her own employed engineers. We have engaged a lot with technology in our company and we're a small company, but we have five employees from the tech side in our company now. And we have software engineers. So we are building our own software. We're building our own platforms. We have our own internal database. And so we can capture a lot of information, which helps us when we deal with all the different clients that we deal with. And we can benchmark and anticipate results. And we can communicate this to the people that we deal with, to the clients that we deal with. And that really is a value added service for them. So technology is very, very important to the insurance industry. I, I don't think it could be emphasized how important it is. Even if you look at things as simple as we write a lot of commercial auto liability now with cameras and cabs and, you know, in a cab and on the front of a cab, they're all positive developments for the industry. Then you also have the whole cyber, you know, tech industry. I mean, that's kind of going through a massive change in itself right now because of, you know, ransomware claims and things like that. But all the evolution of engaging technology into the insurance industry is extremely positive, overdue and very important. I asked Siobhan if investing in her own tech engineers gave her firm an advantage over her peers. Massively so, because I think the problem with these kind of big established companies is they have legacy systems that they're unwilling to modernize. They just have to kind of add a different platform into the into their system where we don't. We can start from scratch. We can completely build our platform to our needs. And that's what we're really doing. And we've got fantastic people that are young, incredibly well-trained, really get the um they don't really understand the insurance. They're learning the insurance industry, but they understand how to look at software technology. And through us, they adapt that you know into our platform. And it's fantastic. What we're doing really is um, exceptional relative to our competitors. Karen Graves, COO at Inigo, focused on the importance of data as well as the interpretation of that data. At the heart of our business is data. Um, and so for me, one of the most important elements of the business is, is our data, where we hold it, how we capture it and what we do with it. Um, and that's our differentiator in many respects around being successful. Um, and so you need a combination of stability around that. And then you need things that are going to make you be able to analyse your data differently. And perhaps that's more revolutionary. Um, but it's got there because people have already started thinking about that. So um, I think it's a bit of a balanced, um, a balanced answer, really. So, you know, I would, with, with my hat on, of one of which is sort of compliance and data governance and so on, I would, you know, I'm, I'm very passionate about us having a data, data lake, whatever you want to call it, data lake, hark at me, data, whatever you want to call it, um, that is stable the data that we use all comes from one source. It's protected, um, but we get to do some great stuff with it that makes us different about how we might look, price, and view a piece of business. So um, I think there's some magic that happens around the edge that is possibly revolutionary. Um, but I think at the heart of this are some very stable business 
systems that have that have that have evolved out of you know there, there used to be a lot of, of tech providers of, of um, underwriting systems. And now a question for you, our audience, to think about: What would you consider to be a truly innovative tech development over the last few years in our industry? E-placement, improved analytics, API platforms. Well, here's what our panel thinks, starting with Alliance Rees Kenrick Law. Uh, I could think of uh, three different areas. The first one would be big data and also how it has become available for uh, public to use. Um, so uh, uh, I can quote one, one example from Allianz Group. So we use the big data to try to analyze and see what kind of um, uh, insurance requirements for the public would change over time and try to find the insurance product for uh, for the public, right? So so the big data and the availability is one. The second one is on um, cloud technology and the also um, how the information is being shared. Um, so the tech, YouTube is a perfect example. So now everybody can freely just upload video. And if you would like to teach certain things and you can just upload your video and then if people follow you and, and basically you will be able to share um, your skill sets and your know-how and so on. I think that that is really amazing because um, it, 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 it basically drive down the cost of information, right? So it becomes freely available. So LinkedIn was a perfect example, right? So um, so you bring in, um, you know, different talents together, but also using that platform, you would be able to share um, your knowledge, basically, right? So, um, so, so that's one. Number two, yeah, to improve on the underwriting AI, and so on, so to improve your, your, your underwriting approach and so on. And um, the other one is also in terms of um, cat model. So used to be proprietary and people trying to sell their, um, you know, their, their specially designed model, cat models and so on. But nowadays there are also other platforms where people freely develop something and then just put it up there and let other people to, uh, to, to access, to use and so on. Um, so it, it really opens up a lot of different opportunities to, different, to, to everybody, basically. Um, so, so coming back to my third point, um, I think connectivity is one. So recently, I found out um, there is an there's an app that you can bring people from all over the world. So, for example, if you want to start a project and you need to have different skill sets, right? So you might want to have somebody to design uh, the internet, the web page, the the the, the, the the website for you, and then you might need to have somebody to handle your finance and so on. So you can actually go into that app and try to source for different types of expertise from all over the world. So um, my, uh, my, my example would be a, a friend of mine who is based in Zurich and she wanted to start this company, uh, a consulting company, right? So she ended up um, getting uh, a, a web browser, uh, uh, how that, a website uh, developer from, I don't know, Yugoslavia or something. And then you have um, somebody who can uh, do the PR for her in Singapore, and then you have another person doing finance from another one. So that's that, that's amazing to me because um, the connectivity is just so efficient that you would be able to pull in different resources from different parts of the world together um, to uh, achieve a common goal. So that, I think that, that the connectivity is really amazing now. That is quite a scary sounding app for someone who's working in executive search. Next up is Arch Reesman Moon Raja. The, the the biggest innovation that's made at least a difference in our in our shop um, is just the 
um, tools around predictive analytics. Um, it's anything that takes the treasure trove that we have as an enterprise that's been in business for as long as we have is the data that we have, uh, whether on the loss side, whether on the exposure side, anything in the middle. And it's taking that information and assimilating it in ways that we could never do in the past. And so whether we're using cloud computing, whether we're using all the tools that we have to extract knowledge out of that information to make better decisions, ultimately, um, I think that for me has been the biggest change and the biggest, frankly, the biggest difference for us in our business over the last three to five years has been harnessing the power of big, big data and making better decisions as a result of it. Vantage CEO Greg Hendrick had three tech developments he wanted to highlight. I'm very fond of saying, um, unfortunately, we work in an industry in insurance and reinsurance that has not been very tech forward or uh, tech innovative. So the things I'm going to cite are incredibly, are incredibly basic, but they are true that they have changed, um, I would say, over the last five to 10 years dramatically. One's the cloud, right? Now, and particularly as a new company, we're able to build our entire structure on the cloud. But getting away from the old ideas of, of data rooms and servers and into the cloud came to us so late as an industry. It's such a big change. It's such a huge change for what you're able to do and how fast you're able to introduce new product. I think um, data and analytics and the, and the, and the we've always had great, we're, in the end, an insurer and reinsurer is only a data analytics company. You get a submission with some data in it, you work on it, and you offer back a, a, a premium and a promise to pay, and that's all you do. So your data analytics come at the core. It's really only in the last five to 10 years that we've turned on what was predominantly a backward-looking uh, exercise of analyzing the past to project the future and starting to blend in with AI, with, uh, predictive, with multivariate predictive modeling and other components that, again, had been out in the space uh, in other industries that we started to use those and it's really started to change the dynamic of how we select risk and how we price risk and how we, and how we build our portfolios. And I think the third, the third piece is the digital um, move that we're now finally starting to get away from. If you look at, if you look to London, it's finally starting to move away from um, brokers carrying around slipcases of claims or underwriting submissions uh, where everything is happening. And COVID has obviously accelerated this where you're now starting to get everything in a more digital way. I, I, I know, um, I know, I wish I would love to say I worked in an industry where we, you know, we, we, we invented Amazon or we invented uh, the, the digital camera or the iPhone, but, but unfortunately we don't. Um, I'm proud of the industry working. I think we do a great social service and I, and I love the business dearly. But in this lens, those things that are sound so basic to anyone in, in other industries are really big changes for us over the last five to 10 years. To round out this episode, I asked our executives if, excluding technology, they could outline how they think businesses can best future-proof themselves. You'll be unsurprised to learn that pretty much all of them said it was about the people in our industry, but the nuances in their responses are interesting. Here's Archery's Mamoon Raja. It goes back to talent, right? Um, having the right people with the right mindset with mutual respect, with collaboration, um, working together, um, that's the value. That's the, that's the most important thing that any company can have because environments are going to change, markets will change, and just having the right set of people, making the right set of decisions together, I think is the best way to future-proof your company. Here's Inigo COO Karen Graves with her take. You know, how do we future-proof our, our business? I think that's around the people. Um, and so as we make strides about 
you know, deciding what's right for us as businesses about um, technology, you know, we have to make sure that we, as we, you know, work out where we're going on the tech side, that we bring the, we bring people with us, that we make sure they have the necessary skills to keep up with whatever it is that we want them to do that might be different with our data and our systems. Um, and so I don't think, I think that's a very much a, um, again, where I talked before about not leaving anybody behind, that we make sure we have skilled, um, open-minded um, colleagues that we spend time getting them to understand what it is we're doing with our systems and our data and how we're doing it and what skills they need to do that with and not to be cut off from that move forward. So that's, that's really important because you have to have a mixture of experience and, uh, and those kind of skills. And perhaps we need to make sure that we marry them with the tech skills going forward. Um, and whether that's new people coming into the business that might not have seen anything, um, you know, so I, I like to see technology and um, future-proofing our business is not just a tech thing. It's a business thing um, that, that's around individuals um, and how we can t- translate potentially people's ideas into a, a tech response to something um, requires collaboration. Um, you know, um, and I think it's important that the business drives these innovations, um, not the tech. Anne-Marie Syndicate CEO Siobhan Barder spoke about the need to continually refresh your incoming talent with diverse people. I mean, I think this industry is still about relationships and it's about people. So I think engaging with your business partners and communicating with them in an effective way, I think that's very important to future-proofing your business. I think having a diverse workforce that has very different strengths and weaknesses helps future-proof your company. Because young people today, you know, I think the insurance industry lacks appeal. And so young people today don't necessarily want to engage in the insurance industry. You know, it's not kind of like as sexy as other industries. So bringing young talent into the industry, I think, is very important because they have a meaningful contribution. They look, like I said, you know, with social media, they look at things so differently from the way I look at it. And that's a very valuable contribution that we can bring into our company and engage with and then project that out uh, as a message to the market. So I think it's very important to bring young people and have that, you know, process, that learning, training and communication process. For RSA Luxembourg's Rachel Conran, it's about not becoming complacent and realising that the job of future-proofing your business is never over. So I think it's the sense of constant disruption, self-disruption before you're disrupted. Um, It's certainly something in insurance that I've looked at. Insurance always bothers the customer and asks the customer hundreds of questions. Every insurance contract starts with us bothering the customer. And, And a lot of the work I've spent my time doing in the last 20 years has been, how can we not ask the customer and not bother the customer and just provide them what we think their view of, of those risks are so that they can then analyse and look at the, 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 the products we create. Our last two commentators were more concerned with keeping their finger on the pulse of the changing nature of risk. Up first is Kenrick Law from Alliance Re. 
I think keeping a close eye on the risk landscape evolvement or development, uh, that will be important for us because um, we can adjust the insurance products accordingly, the feature, the cover, uh, and so on um, accordingly uh, based on how the risk landscape of this world changing. Um, a good example is um, how we adopt the property policy, for example. So from a physical damage to an intangible uh, losses basis. So um, how you can evolve or change your insurance product over time um, to keep tap with the uh, changing landscape, basically. We need to improve our knowledge on um, you know, uh, accumulation control in terms of um, how to model these kind of exposure. If something happened, you know, a cyber attack, for example, so what would be um, the extent of the damages? Um, how do you assess it? So I think we need to improve our knowledge on on modeling this kind of this kind of exposure, um, and also start collecting data basically because there's so many incidents happening uh, around the world, right? So uh, we just need to have a big enough data uh, set so that we can we would be able to understand the exposure much better than than where we are right now. And with the final word, here's Vantage's Greg Hendrick. I, I think there's there's kind of three big threats at the moment, um, and and trying to future proof yourself. Um, to me, the, the the threat of cyber and ransomware, both or both the both the opportunity we may have to insure against it, but also as we've seen recently in a number of situations, being the subject of attacks. And so, I think one of the things to be future proof is you got to be relentless both around how your people uh, behave because they are really the first and main line of defense, uh, and how embedded that you get cyber security embedded with them, and then you're obviously trying to keep your technology as safe as you can. So I think one future proofing thing is 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 the cyber. I think the second one is this relentless pursuit of innovation that that you need to you 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 will not survive if you're just going to try and play the old game of riding the market cycles up and down. And we are it's a hard market now, but we are going to go back to competing with each other again. It's it's inevitable. It's the way of the world. And the only way to really future proof yourself from that is to start to create new revenue streams from risks that haven't been insured uh, before. And that just opens opens the opens the spigot wider and, and makes more. And the, and the third piece is trying to be very, very uh, disciplined around utilizing new technologies in the insurance chain. For instance, you know, if we go back to that cyber, which I started with, not going to write cyber insurance until we feel that we have a tool that can help from the outside in and from the inside out, help uh, provide risk analysis for both our clients to benefit from and for us to benefit from, and then it lets us aggregate. Or we're not going to tackle commercial auto until we found a technology solution that blends telematics and satellite and video uh, and other forms of data that you can that you can ascertain today that lets you know much much better about where your risks are. And so I think that third piece is that digital piece. So protect yourself from cyber, always be innovative looking forward and keep pushing forward on that digital, be more efficient. I think those are three key things to be future-proofing yourself. That's it for this episode and for this series of the Global Reinsurance and Insurance Download. If you've missed an earlier episode, please do go search them out on your podcast provider of choice and hit subscribe to ensure that you don't miss a drop of our second series coming your way very soon. Our thanks to all of our participants for this series. We couldn't have made the series without you. And our thanks to you for listening at home. Hope to see you again soon.